You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. The Abyss, of course it was the Abyss. How could I not have remembered that? Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is part two of my conversation with the brilliant... I want to say it again. It's my, it's my pet thing to say about Todd. He's either warmly angry or angrily warm. Uh, a fantastic comedian based in LA uh, who was kind enough to uh, to let me visit around his... Uh, I kind of want to call it a ranch. Maybe there's a word for it. Maybe it's a mesa or something like this, but it's a very Californian house. And um, we, as we discuss uh, in episode one, it is uh, beautifully appointed. And uh, uh, he is a very beautifully appointed man. So thanks to Todd. Let's get stuck into part two. Of Todd Glass. All you really have to do is try. Th- verbiage is going to change. And again, you get older quicker than you think. Yeah. I heard the word fluid five years ago. It's just fluid. Everything's fluid, you know, and I, I didn't know what the fuck it meant, but I liked it. Yeah, Someone right. else would be like, oh, fluid. It just meant everything. You, some yeah, people yeah. are 100% straight. I do believe that. Some people are 100% gay. They're just, you know, uh, for, for using the terms that we all know what they mm-hmm. mean, eventually those terms. But, like, most of these people that, that have a problem, it's anything new and different. And you want to make sure that everything new and different that comes across your plate, people are more apt to believe that it's new but you're not dismissing it because it's different and you didn't know it. If some things you accept, but like a lot of people, every time there's a crossroads, they're almost mad that they have to keep evolving. And yeah, they'll be like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what to say. Transgender is a guy is a girl. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Well, if you, here's how you, here's how I know you, you can, you can learn. If all you have to do, let's use transgender now for a, 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 a an issue, a, a, an example. All you have to do to grow and learn more about them is give a little bit of a fuck. No one is waiting and lurching to to get you when you say he instead of she, even though that's the fake. That's like the little kid that, you know, goes into the bedroom and goes, daddy yelled at me, but mom was listening. He didn't yell. You felt, you got criticized and you felt yelled at. Now, is there someone out there going, 
That's not what we say. It's a he. Yes, of course there is. But let me tell you why I know factually that's not true. Anybody kind enough to defend some, to say, hey, it's they want to be called she or they want to. Don't you think they're also think about for a let's say you say white male. Let's start with a white male correcting somebody or saying a white male saying, hey, don't use the word retarded. Say clumsy. Do you think they can be that kind and self-aware? But then when they go to correct somebody, they yell. It, mm. it doesn't make sense. Mm. That person felt yelled at. If, if somebody hears you use the word retarded, someone asked me this once. They go, sometimes I slip and I say retarded. So maybe someone slips and also says male, uh, he instead of she. And they, if somebody is listening in on that and they hear someone go, oh, sh- uh, he was, I, I meant she. They're not in the other room. You know what they're in the other room thinking? I just overheard a smart person. Yeah, They're right. going through that phase where you forget. Okay. And they think there's a brilliant person. I just heard in the other room. They don't think, oh, if they were brilliant, they would have just said clumsy to begin with. If someone goes, oh, it was so retarded. I'm sorry, I meant clumsy. They're going to think, oh, that's a really smart person I just overheard. Getting that word out of the vocabulary. But the reason I bring that up, I think a lot of people like to make pretend, oh, you get yelled at. No one's yelling at you. You feel yelled at because you're tired of fucking growing. And you think, I'm a smart person. But I'm fucking now they're bullying us. Every the social stats, everybody that's doing the bullying, the history writes it. Go back, go back and do the work. Every group that that was doing the bullying felt bullied every fucking time with the bathrooms, with black and white people on the bus. That just when they passed one rule and then they wanted more and they wanted more, they thought, now you're going too far. The bullies always feel bullied. So what, what? it's the same thing right now. Trust me. It's a, Don't try to find it. Not you. When I say you, I mean the universe. Sure, sure. But anyway. So when you're, when you're approaching a topic like that, or a topic like any of these things we've been talking about, do you find that your writing process is different to when you were writing jokes about... Um, I can't even remember the name of it, but it's on one of your specials. There's squeegee on the floor that mops everything. Oh, the chamois. The chamois, yeah, right. Okay, so that is a kind of a, a non-political, uh, non-political topic. It's a non-social yeah, issue. You know, right. it's just some stuff. It's a bit of stand-up. Right, right. Yeah, lovely bit of stand-up. <laughs> um, but is, uh, is, there, is it different in the creation of the bit? What's different in the, the writing of the bit or the improvising or, the, or however it is? I mean, to, let's use that one. Where did that chamois bit come from? How did you put that together? And then let's look at how you put together the new stuff and if, whether it's different. You know, I, I, hopefully, I feel like I hopefully I can do you proud because it's funny the ShamWow bit, which it's time for me to stop doing it. Uh, I was on the road opening up for David Cross, and um, he, I was doing that bit for about thirty seconds, forty seconds, and um, he goes, "You know, you could do that bit a lot longer." I go, "I know, I lose them." And this is just comedy one hundred and one. You probably already know where I'm going with this. He goes, "Oh, you'll lose them, but you'll get them back." <laughs> and. He offered, he said, I'll give you, you know, I forget if it was 2000 or 2500 but I think it was 2000 He goes, I'll give you 2000 bucks if you can do that bit for two and a half minutes. Now, I'm not somebody that gets ready for marathons. I love doing stand-up comedy, so therefore I hope my comedy just gets better because I coincidentally love doing it. So it's not really hard work. But to, to do that was work for me. I had to go, like, pull up. I figured just pull up, like, go on the internet, pull up cats and print out 20 cats, print colors, print out 20 colors. And eventually you'll, you know, whether it's a Siamese cat, a tabby cat, a blue, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
And so, yeah, just for people that don't know the bit, this is you uh, uh, making fun of the advertising for the Shamwell, right. uh, this kind of mop product yeah. uh, that goes on and tells you all the stuff. Unless, it's sorry, a rag. I don't want to leave anyone behind. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's a rag. It's orange. It's called a Shamwell. But it, they just, like infomercials do, they have to make up stuff. Like, it wipes up this. It wipes up that. Yeah, and that's yeah. the joke. I have to think of 300 things, whether, you know, get cat hair on your sweater, you know, alley cat, bob cat, indoor cat, upstairs cat, downstairs cat, Siamese cat, tabby cat, even Persian. Yeah. Calico too, you know. So I pulled up cats. I pulled up dogs so so I could do it. And then eventually the third night on tour, because they wouldn't even tell me when I hit. I had to do two and a half minutes. They wouldn't even tell me when I hit two minutes. I go, just tell me when I hit two minutes. You know, have, have Dave, just like have your road manager wave to me on the side so I know you got 30. You go, no, you can't do that. I go, oh, Jesus. So I go out like the fourth or maybe even the fifth night and I start the bit. I'm like, I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. I want this money. So, uh, <laughs> I, you know, the thing is, I just got a bill for my roof for my garage that was close to what he offered me. I'm like, okay. wait, if I can do this, my garage isn't even a problem. I get my new roof. Nothing. It's like it the house that comedy built. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, great. So uh, finally, after a while, they wave from the side of the stage. You did it. You did it. Like I was approaching three minutes. I was like, so there's that. That was that motivation. I think if I could take that and do that with, you know, like things that bother me, it, it's the same process. I think you just got to clobber people and uh, and just get them to believe, you know, it. You, yeah, I think you can use that type of repetition to, to I guess, to do anything you want. So okay, sure. okay. That's, uh, that, that's I, I, I'm really thankful. Did you get the money? I did get the money. Right, you know, right. it's funny. He came into the green room and he, you know, it's like wrapped up with wrappers, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. Meanwhile, I needed it. Uh, I'm like, no, 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 no. And he goes, you take it. I was so glad. Can you imagine if he took it right yeah, back? I'm like, whoa, yeah, whoa, yeah, whoa. Yeah. What, what? I learned a life lesson about yeah. art and I don't get paid? What <laughs> <Right>. the fuck? <laughs> so, um... Uh, so in that example, that, I mean, that's a, that's a great story, but is that, it's obviously not indicative of your usual writing process. And what I want to look at is is the difference between, like when in, in the special that that features, that that's the climax of, what uh, what is a bit that in that special that you are particularly proud of? In that one? In that one. Well, the uh, High Glen, I think that made it in there. Uh, which high Glen is when people say you can't say Merry Christmas anymore. I'll oh, even, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, okay. That was, you know, I'll even, you know, you, it's up to you. I will not be offended either way. I'll, I can give the quick... Give me, give me a quick rundown of the bit so I know we can uh, well, it was, talk about it. It was that I thought it was based on bullshit that you can't say Merry Christmas anymore. And I'll even tell the audience. I get other certain people in the audience going, well, you really can't. And this is what you were referring to earlier on when you said there's kind of smudges, there's hints towards the, exactly. the kind of social issue stuff. Well, they're great examples. So, so go on. So, so you, know, I, you know, so I say to the crowd, I know there's a lot of people going, you, know, you expect me to go, you can say Merry Christmas. You can. Yes, you can. And you say, no, no, you're right. There's situations where you can anymore. But my question is to the audience is, why do you want to so bad? Because the alternative, and this is what I just tell the audience, but I sell it to me ShamWow style because you got to. Every time someone wants to wiggle out of something, you know, you got to hit them on the right. Then when they go to go, but I did it because of that. You got to pound. You got to just fucking, you got to verbally bully them. You got to corner them in. And I feel I do that on that bit. I really do. And I go, if, you know, so the question isn't why you can't say Merry Christmas anymore. The question is, why do you want to so bad? Because the alternative for Merry Christmas is Happy Holidays. And that includes every single person on the planet. It's not like they're saying, we shouldn't say Merry Christmas anymore. We should say Happy Hanukkah. No, obviously, that's mirroring the behavior that you're wanting to be stopped. So I know the audience is, some people disagree. I go, so to me, it would be like, 
if you had a store, I'll make this quick. And uh, every day someone came into the store and you said, hi, Glenn, to everybody. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Glenn. Now, uh, to me, I like this analogy because if someone said that at a store, even though that would never happen, I'd be like, oh, at least he's saying hi. I'm Jewish. And that's how I felt about everybody that said Merry Christmas. Christmas is the famous holiday. That's like, you know, my, yeah, when yeah, I was yeah. younger, my way of looking at it. Christmas, at least they're it, saying hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah at least, least they're It yeah, didn't yeah. bother me. So you think, well, if it didn't bother you, Todd, then how are you on the other side of it now? Because it didn't bother me. But once a store owner would say to their employee, probably what happened with Merry Christmas, hey, we people shop here of all types. Why don't we just say something that includes everybody? But for certainly no one would argue with that. Oh, say happy holidays. That would be like if somebody said, hey, Glenn, hi, Glenn, hi, Glenn. And the store owner pulled them over affectionately and went, hey, by the way, I'm just so glad you say hi to everybody. But don't say hi, Glenn, because not everybody's name is Glenn. Just say hi. That'll include every single person that walks through our doors. And that person goes, oh, my God, there's a war on Glenn. You can't say hi, Glenn, anymore. And that's when the anger evokes. When I go, yes, you can say hi to Glenn if you know it's Glenn and he's walking into the store. Then you can say hi to Glenn. Same as Merry Christmas. If there was someone you knew and they, but it's, so if, and I say to people, I mean it in the crowd. If you don't see that as being crystal clear and you leave here tonight, maybe now you can't find the lie in what I just said and how crystal clear. If you go home and you now find the truth when I'm not in front of you spitting out the truth and you find your own truth, life's not going to be good for you. Life will not be good for you because I just, I do. I still feel like now I don't know how someone wiggles out of what I just said. I don't know how. They thought it. And that to me is the sign of being brilliant. I really do believe it. It's having that theory in your head. Anybody even listening now that goes, not with everything. God damn it. With everything, stick to your grounds. But is this the one where you want to stick to your ground? Even the stupid little issue we're talking about, yeah. someone listening right now with their headphones in. Or isn't this the time for them to go, I think I was fucking wrong. So, so... I, I totally disagree with that. And again, I think it's a very well-made point. In the, in the creation of that bit, were you on stage just arguing the point? Or do you sit down and write that? Do you do bullet points? What do you, how do you get all of, where did that Glenn idea come from? Oh, I don't write, you know, it's, God, it's funny you ask that. I, I'm, I just ordered a earpiece where you put it so far in your, you know, in your ear. It's mm. not like people will see it, but, you know, and someone can feed you stuff. Okay. Because I want to start doing with those other things, but I'm lazy to, to, to rehearse all those, you know, like, to, <laughs> so I'm going to try it in San Diego this weekend to have someone, they're just in the sound booth, and when I need things thrown to me right away, I do it that way, and eventually I'll probably learn them. And it's so far. I'm so you have you've got a guy in the sound booth with a script with a not a script, but when I so, just so that you don't need to write your your ideas on the back of your hand. When I need stats that I don't want to look down at a piece of paper for. So like if I was doing the ShamWow bit, you know, I wouldn't have had to learn it. Yeah, I would have yeah, just yeah, had yeah. someone go calico, calico. Whether it's a Himalayan and you just yeah, okay, okay. So with this, so that is an incredible idea, Todd. I can't I, imagine I, anyone else has tried that. I don't think so. And I'm going to tell the audience eventually. I'm going to not tell them right away. I'm going to say, hey, by the way, some people might see there's a little thing in my ear that's just a monitor, you know, so I can, you know, fool them. They won't first. even notice it. You won't they, even need to say. I, it. I don't think I will actually. It's so far in there, but um, uh, but yet yeah, now it's just usually. Like, I remember, this might answer your question. I asked a comedian once, I was like, you should do that on your act. He goes, no, that's just complaining. I go, yeah, that's what you should be doing in your act. If you, if you can just complain about what makes you happy. By the way, not complain. Sometimes I do things in my act about things that bring me joy, too, which is the same passion that I have. Then you'll constantly write material. Like, I find, like, now it's easier for me to write material because it's just talking about, like, things that I would. The podcast definitely did that. 
Because I would have something like, oh, that's more of a podcast thing. And then one night I'd try it out on stage. I went, oh, I can do that in front yeah, of an audience. Yeah, right. Too. Okay. Does that make okay. any sense? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, in order to find the funny, to have the stuff to say in the first place, is that just a case of you get the bullet point, whether it's on a bit of paper or a card or the back of your hand or an earpiece? And you go on and talk around the subject. Do you effectively what I'm asking is do you do your writing on stage? I do like, my oh, You do okay. like ten shows and at the end of it you've got a new show. Yeah, you know, it's funny, everybody writes so differently, and until yeah. later in my career I didn't realize how differently, because I've been doing this a long time. I thought, well, of course people write differently, but you don't really realize it until my friend asked me a question and he goes, Well, do you you don't have like your order of your show? Now it affects me when the when when I'm not working a crowd, like let's say ten is the best crowd in the world. Seven is not the worst, but even at seven, it'll fuck me up a little bit yeah. because because I, I don't I'm, I when, there have to be tens for me to do it this way. So I try to learn it a little better. But most of the time, what I do, I go on stage. I know what my opening is, and I know what my closing is, and then everything else just unfolds the however it unfolds. And then if something goes over really good one night, then it'll. I'll lengthen it out. And I know and, there's other guys. I don't mean to sound like my writing style. No, no. There's other guys that do it like this too, but that's how I do it. The, what is the lengthening process? So if something works? If it works, I'll do it longer. You'll do it. So, but you, do, you, do you come off stage, make a note of it, and then spend any time on it in the next day? Do you kind no. of go, oh, what else can I get from this? You just go and sort of say, just get yourself in the same state of mind to say something. Yeah, like the a, same idea. If, if like I did something like maybe it was a one one thing, like I had something on declawing cats. It was a three second thing I said, and then you know, like one night I got a bigger laugh. I will get off stage and say it into my recorder. Okay, but you know, with some bullet points, but nothing, nothing major. But probably would say a hundred percent is written on stage. Uh, except when I'm getting ready to do a Netflix special or whatever, Comedy Central or whatever, uh, then I will travel with a friend of mine, Daniel Kino, and he'll like literally will sit in the hotel room. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud because I don't do it that often with post-its, putting things up. Where could I say? What's a word that I could say? Like, So I get the power of doing that, and I think, why don't I do that more? Well, that was going to ask. Why don't you do that more? Because I'm lazy. Yeah. Like, I had this joke, and I didn't want to clean it up. You, could, you could be a more effective agent for social change if you weren't so lazy. You could do that more, and you could change the world more like you want to. But guess what? But you're still lazy in that circumstance? I think the earpiece is going to help me. Because, if, for example, let's say I want to say, like, you know, when people go, kids, they don't even know what PC is anymore. You know, that whole thing. Oh, they don't know. Shut up. They're, you're old. No one wants to hear they're old. That's just, it's not a comedy discussion. It's, oh, you turned in your parents. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have to talk about it for You turned in your parents. And they want to go, no, 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 you, you turned into your parents. That's, that's all it's about. I'm, I got a smile on my face because this doesn't involve a big argument. The minute you'd say the young generation don't know what they're talking about, you oh, you turned in your parents. I know you don't want to think it. No one with their earphones in, right? Yeah, kids are this, kids are that. Oh, great. But so if I have that joke and I have the earpiece and I can go, oh, really? What year were they wrong? 1972, they were fighting for the ba 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 ba. Just fed into my ear. Oh, was it 1982, the young generation at, at, at Cal State College? Yeah, right. Ba, yeah, ba, yeah. Ba, 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 ba. So I can. And I think that's how this earpiece. So no one will have my act in the booth. They'll have six or seven pieces of paper, or they'll just pull it up on the computer when I need stats. How will they know? What are you, I'm fascinated by this idea. How will they know fast enough to tell you at a conversational speed what stats it is that you're after? Okay, so I tested it out already. I don't even know go if on, I should be on. telling you this because I think, <laughs> well, the audience, I don't care if they know. I don't. Matter of fact, if they know and I want them to know, I'll wink at it. I'll wink at it. 
Now, this presents a problem because normally at the beginning of this bit, I can feel my instincts at the beginning of the middle blurb. I like to talk about how lovely the person is, but it's clear how great Todd is and how funny as well. Do download uh, the Todd Glass show. He's got a special on iTunes, uh, which I've heard. He's got another album as well there, some of which I've heard of bits and bobs. I think he might well be on Spotify. And do remember to follow him on Twitter and download uh, his podcast, The Todd Glass Show. It really is, I mean, as, as he's fond of pointing out, uh, it's won awards. <laughs> but um, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. It's very different to a lot of the kind of, uh, like, like Jimmy Pardo, who you'll hear uh, before long, if you haven't already, um, on, on this show. Jimmy does a full experiential kind of radio show. He does it with loads and loads of voices in the studio. It's more kind of like that kind of zoo radio feel. Whereas Todd does almost a theatrically, you know, there's music cues and preset jokes and the telephone skits and stuff like this. It's really, really worth listening to. Really great fun. He's really sort of seized the form. And his stand-up is absolutely extraordinary as well. He's such a, a, a kind of a powerful performer. It's really exciting to see how powerful he is on stage. So um, thank you for your donations. Uh, this is I'm recording this moments after I recorded the middle bit of the first episode. So you know the spiel. I, I'll just briefly run it through again, just in case you're, it's been weeks in between times or this is this episode survived an apocalypse or something. Uh, Comedianscomedian.com forward slash merch to get your ConCon t-shirt as designed by Warwick Johnson Cadwell and strictly limited edition. Um, we've got... I do, if I tell you how many we've got left, does it sound bad? We've sold about 50. So we've sold about half of them. They're flying off the... Uh, <laughs> they're not on a shelf. They're in a box under the stairs. They're flying out of the box under the stairs. So um, uh, jump on those. And uh, and uh, they're £20 each, plus a small postage and package thing based on uh, where you are in the world. Um, so you can do that for me, please. You can also... I, what else was I going to say? I had a particular thing I wanted to mention... Which was, oh yes, you can, um, of course, you can uh, tweet me or email, tweet me at comcompod or email me info at comedianscomedian.com uh, with suggestions for guests and suggestions for questions for people you'd like to hear on the show. All of that standard sort of stuff. But also use the hashtag or the subject line break glass and tell me, please, because it's quite nice because it's Todd Glass, you see. I didn't realise. No, if I... Uh, now I've said I didn't realise, I've admitted that it wasn't a deliberate plan, which is upsetting. It should, I should have just let it stand there as a deliberate plan. I think it was at one point. I thought, oh, that's neat. But um, uh, break glass, not break Todd glass, just break regular glass. Uh, to tell me which bits of the back catalogue of this podcast you find the most uh, uplifting and likely to pick you up when you're down. Because I'd like to make a special episode. I think there's, I think there's a lot of... Um, it seems to me that the audience for podcasts, there's something about the intimacy of a podcasting relationship, even more so than just a radio relationship. It's not just it's not just about hearing me in your ears and your, you know, in your in your bath or on your run or walking your dog. Hello, damn boy. Um, it's not just about the 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 fact that I'm right in your ears and it's an individual voice or two voices. But it's also something about the fact that, you know, I'm wandering around my kitchen recording this that makes it more intimate somehow than than um than if i was in a, a radio studio with a producer and and uh, you know a salary <laughs> for example but there is something homemade about it that uh, attracts a certain sort of person maybe that's you and i think there is as we as we talk about with with todd and and with dave anthony as well which is coming out next week and um, there's something about the podcaster listener relationship there's something about people who 
listen being i'm not saying that you that you're anxious i'm not saying that you've got mental health issues but there is something about the sharing between us that is that is oh god where's this where's this going <laughs> i i think that i think that you and i have a particular relationship because of this show that we wouldn't if this was a tv show or a radio show i think that's all i'm saying so um I, it would be really nice for me to know because you send me emails, not you personally, maybe you personally, you send me emails telling me how uh, how much of a difference the show has made to your life. And I love them. And they, they really I try and respond to them sometimes months later. But whenever I receive them, they're really important to me. And it's sort of important to me in a way that lasts a bit longer than 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 people saying, hey, your gig was really funny. I really like it. It's really over the last few weeks and months, it has started to dawn on me how important to me that part of the show is. So please keep doing that. But anyway, the point is, uh, it's, it's break glass in case of emergency is me wanting to give something back and go, here's like a concentrated shot of the best bits of the cheering you up bits of the show. So if you're not a comedian, you can you can listen to them when you're down. You've just had an argument with your spouse. Love that word. No one's saying spouse enough these days. Um, or or if you're sort of creatively stymied or blocked somehow. But if you're a comedian and you've just died on your ass, if you're a, if you're a teacher and you've just given an awful lesson and you're wondering what you're doing in the profession, if you're a dentist and you're lecturing to dental stu- dental students and uh, and you've they've all walked out in a huff. Um, and you're finding broken teeth in your locker at work as a threat. I don't know if dentists do that to each other. It'd be quite fun. Um, but in those circumstances, you can download and listen to Break Glass in Case of Emergency, uh, and it will pick you back up. That's the plan. So uh, please send me, uh, let's, let's crowdsource, as they say, your, your favourite, most uplifting bits. Um, and uh, and we'll, I'll put that together as soon as I can. I, we, me and Nathan. Little ginger bastard. No, I can't, I can't start calling him that. It's so dangerous on this podcast. As soon as you start a thing, it becomes a tradition and everyone tweets the word eggy at me and it's all confusing. So let's think of a nicer way to, to think of young Nathan than that. Answers on a small ginger postcard, please. Let's get back to Todd Glass. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you've already tried it. So I tried it. um, I tried it with a a little earpiece I got that connects to the phone. So the problem was there's a little bit of a delay because I thought, oh, this is great. It's so cheap. I just hook it up to a phone, put the earpiece in like a Bluetooth, but it's a smaller Bluetooth. So I and I had to order the more expensive one. 
because I can't have a delay when someone's feeding me my stuff. So like for, to try it out, I, I uh, downloaded a bunch of adjectives. Now, you might not understand this, but I can see it being very fun. None of my friends got it till I tried it one day. I had a guest on the podcast, and I said, you look great today. And then in the other room, uh, somebody that works on the podcast was feeding me adjectives. Like, oh, you look great. You look dapper. You look... And then, yeah, for the first 10, people can remember 10 adjectives. They, yeah, they yeah, weren't yeah, thinking. Yeah. They were yeah, just thinking yeah. I was being silly. <laughs> but then when I hit the 30th, they go, what's going on? They go, and I pulled the thing out of my ear, and I went, how cool is that? That's incredible. So the person in the booth, whether it's the other comedian that yeah. will be on the show with me all week, will just, like I said, pull it up on the computer. But when I hit a bit, they're going to know he's doing the bit about Yes. Kids know what PC is. That is so great. And this this feels like the first step. This could be a five-year journey at the end of which you have the most unbelievable world. You develop a whole new thing. This is like a... I'm so excited about it that because, you know, look, it does help sometimes. I'm, it's, it's basically amplifying that I'm lazy. Yeah. <laughs> because I put George Carlin in it and George Carlin would just come prepared. But, you know, maybe it'll be my way of learning it. Eventually it will be in my ear. And you're just saying, yeah, I need some – I need. I think I want to eventually just admit it. Like, go, yeah. all right, yeah, I'm getting help, you know. Yeah, or yeah. Or if I smoke pot a lot, I'm, I mean when I smoke pot on stage, <laughs> uh, you know, which I enjoy doing sometimes, yep. I get lost. So for that case, the thing in my ear could be like, what was I talking about? Someone can go, you're talking about the mall. <laughs> Boom, I'm right back on. <laughs> You've well done. You – you are, this is, that's so ridiculous because you're like, some people listening to this might go, don't smoke pot before you go on stage. It's like you, you've, you've fixed, it's like, uh, have you seen that website, thereifixedit.com? Have you seen that? No. It's like people who've got like, there's no aircon in their car, so they've got like an industrial aircon unit and gaffered it to the outside of their car. So it's like, there, I fixed it. You know, yeah, you, you fixed the problem, but you not know, in the best way. Not in the best way. That's hilarious. Uh, the, the, what was that called again? It's called There I Fixed It. Write that down because oh. I love that. So it's just eight million ways someone sort it's of. Just, it's just photos. It's like a photo aggregator of situations in which people have done ludicrous DIY, like the sort of like crazy dad DIY where they yeah. fix a problem in an incredibly roundabout way. Well, you know what that reminds me of? A few years ago, there were some comedians, and one of the comedians in LA was living in a tent in the yard. But like it was a gigantic tent. Like yeah. you didn't have to walk in and bend over. He had a real bed in there. I was like, do you have air conditioning? He goes, no, it's been a little hot. So I gave him a, an air conditioner. Yeah. And then they taped it around the tent and made it had air conditioning in the tent. I'm like, so that would be there. <laughs> That's exactly right. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, there, there's the thing with the, uh, with the earpiece. So I'm, I've, I've sort okay. of tested it a little bit. You, were, you mentioned George Carlin there, which reminded me of some of the rules of your podcast, um, which it should be said for anyone that hasn't listened to your show, it is, I mean, it's an award winner, as we know. Well, it got voted number one by the podcast. <laughs> Pretty great. <laughs> um, but you put so much effort into it as a show and in a very different I talked to Jimmy Pardo yesterday and he obviously his podcast has a lot of effort it's like a radio show it's like a pro radio show whereas yours was almost like a theatrical experience with the jingles the band the um, the the rules of the show that, and particularly again with your with your live show on, on Sunday night you know you've got the candle in the mason jar and you've uh, you've, you've got a sense of you know all, all of the 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 part of you which wants to have unity of rugs in your house is also you know it's committed to a sensual experience it's a big experience your show and um i'm just talking it up because i love it and I, I want people to listen to it but um two of the rules of your show are when you're saying something that's truth you'll say to george carlin or you'll mention george yeah. carlin and that's so that we can differentiate from when you are doing uh, a bit or saying something 
and being passionate about it for comic effect when well, the thing I'll give, isn't true. I'll give you a, per- a perfect example. I think where it works, and I love this one now because usually it could be for like uh, something important. To George- uh, we just came up with that because George Carlin said to Joe Pesci when he's telling the truth, and I just said, "Oh, did he? I didn't even know yeah, that. Oh, that's I, interesting. I didn't understand why my friend said that one day, but later he explained to me. Oh, because George Carlin said to Joe Pesci, and I remembered. Oh, yeah, he did in that one special. Do you know why he did? Oh, that was Instead a bit of to God. It's a right, okay, right, yeah, You know, yeah, yeah, I yeah. pray to. Jo- yeah, to I jo- understand. Yes, of course. Did I say Joe? Joe Pesci. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we said to George Carlin because, yeah, just getting out of the thing, I swear to God, you know, it was just our safe word. And it could be over something so stupid, but it's great to have it. I love it. I never break it with the audience. And I'm starting to do it on my live shows, too, because once you establish it, it can be so cool over the dumbest little thing. I know this might seem so stupid, but I did use it. Sometimes I'll even go, I know I'm using it. And that might seem like it doesn't have to be a big deal. Mm. But um we were saying it was Jake's birthday on the show, and he was out of town. It was the night before, and I went, you know how it's Christmas Eve? Well, it's birthday Eve for Jake. We go, oh, it's birthday Eve for Jake. And I got, like, into a good mood. Like, I was like, it's birthday Eve, like Christmas Eve and Thanksgiving Eve. And i like, I know this might sound crazy, but to George Carlin, I'm, like, in a lighter mood now because it's Jake Eve. I wanted them to get, like... Yeah, I really mean it. Like something happened when we made it like this night an eve of something. So it could be that stupid or it could be like, no, no, that makes me mad. And someone goes, I'm kidding. I go, no, to George Carlin, that makes me mad. And then they go, it plows past that bullshit of going back and forth. I think it's a lovely device. It's a very funny comic device. But as as I think you've you've said – there is there's something about it that is very very you. There's something about like you're the only comic that needs a device where you can you can find more uh, clarity because there is so much going on. Well, you know, Do you, think? It's, it, you, you you know, it's funny. I you know, I never even looked at it that way. I'm sure it, I'm sure it casually happened that way for that reason. But you just put a little more validity to it because there are so many bits and so many silly bits like. And then, by the way, once you free up, because instinctually, swear to God, like, look, you can say swear to God and lie, even if you don't believe in God. But it's in our fiber that if somebody says to me, I swear on my kid or I swear on swear on the kid thing, like even me, like, I'll tell you what, I've made white lies. I've swore to God when I was probably lying in my life, you know, as I get older, but not, but as younger, of course, uh, I I could never swear on a person, even though I know that we'll never do anything to that person. I'm not, but it's just something about it. So, but once you free that up, you can use it comedically. So since to George Carlin is our only safe word, I I remember the first time Blake Wexler, he called me on the podcast. He goes, Todd, something happened. Oh, he left me a message and we played it on the podcast. He goes, this might seem so silly, but we don't use swear to God anymore on our show. So we can, he goes, Todd, something happened over the weekend. It's playing on my, on my voicemail. He goes, I was in Philadelphia and I went by your mom's house and you know, she has that big free, free pussy banner. And he goes, Todd, I swear to God, this is true. He (laughs) goes, I I, I just want you to know, I really, I swear to, to God. And I, I went by her house because she called me. I don't know how she found my phone number, but uh, she wanted me to put it back up because the wind blew it down. He goes, and I put it back up, and I swear, Todd, I I swear to God, like all my health, he goes, she gave me a check for $5, and it bounced. So I, well, anyway, the fact that he was able to use every, like, swear to God, like, but for people listening to the show, it got confusing. So <laughs> yeah, we okay. made a jingle for the opening that now yeah, that says. explains the rules. Explains the rules. But anyway, I, I probably got a little wordy with that. Someone else is probably going, I think you got a little wordy every time you talk about something. <laughs> talk to me.
me about the effect on your work and on your life of uh, using marijuana. Which, know, is, I, which is legal here, am yeah, I right? Uh, I would, no, I, it's not legal yet, but... I don't want to put you in a position if it's not legal. Oh, no, I, I don't care. Okay. Uh, no, I don't care. I don't care, like Kevin Meany. Um, uh, it's, it's very easy to get here, you know. Uh, is that, uh, I didn't smoke till later in life. I didn't smoke till later in life. Uh, you're one of those making up for lost time people. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe so. Now it's like mushrooms. But I smoke, I, I, I smoke more now than I did ever. I, I smoke probably five, six days a week. At, no, I only smoke at night. Okay. Not because not I'm judging anyone. It's just for me, it only works better at night because I'm not a functioning pot smoker. Yeah. I smoke pot. Oh, you smoke and you stop functioning and you relax. Yeah. And, or I'll uh, call everybody on the phone. I remember the one time I got high during the day, I called everybody I knew and told them how high I was. I go, oh, my God, I just smoked pot. Uh, but the first time I did it in my act. Now, again, I, I, I think I mirror the words. I think George Carlin said something like this. Hey, if it frees you up a little, use the pot to do it. But then go maybe learn you don't need the pot to do it. You know, so. I, yeah, I, I think did he used to he used to write, but he used to write sober and then he'd smoke a joint and then do punch up. Yeah. So he, like, he sort of formulated a system. Right. And that worked for him. The truth of the matter is everybody should do every whatever they want. So mm. I, I want to get into that creepy area of going, here's what everybody should do. Mm. By the way, I'm already opinionated on social issues. But when it comes to other sh- things, I'm like, I, I hope that I'm not. I hope I'm the opposite of that. Like, you know, two people will sit and argue about what show they like better. Yeah. Uh, there I go, no, no, we, we cannot like the same show. You're not going to convince me to like the show, and I'm not going to convince you not to like it. Like, it's okay, but social issues I'll take to the ground. So for the pot, um, first time I did it, I remember I was in Atlanta, and I tried it on stage. I'd never tried it on stage before. Maybe around L.A. where you do six-minute spots, what's the worst mm-hmm. that can happen, but never when I'm doing an hour. And I, the way I remembered is going, I don't want to tell the story the next day of that stereotypical, hey, it freed me up, but it did. Wow. I mean, with the, and then so all I would do it in the beginning was with the best crowds. They had to be like the clubs where it was like these patient, gentle, nurturing audiences because if I got lost, I needed that. And uh, so that's why the earpiece might help on the nights <laughs> I choose to do it. So I really do, some nights it can be really a lot of fun, you know. When I saw you the other night and you were really hyper and really, really on it. Do you, this is, we're away from the pot question now. I saw you the other night, you were really, you were talking about Don Rickles and stuff, and you were just, you were giving loads, and you were, you were on. You know, you were, I'm not saying you're always on, but you were on. I suppose I, that can be wearing for other people that you're with. Do you worry about that? Not you personally, but like, I, I, I remember having it kicked out of me by an ex-partner years ago, She's like, don't let me see you. Don't let me see you turn into one of those always on people. Okay, God, you 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 bring up things that are fun to talk about. <laughs> um, it, I'll answer it. You can give me a minute. Um, not all comedians, but I think I do like comedians. I get along with guys like Andy Kindler and Eddie Pepitone, which you could say they're always on. I think there's just a fine line to 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 to. Describe that a little better. First of all, I think people that are get the rep for being always on as annoying, it's because they're always on and they're not funny. Yeah, yeah. And but 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 let's say they're always funny. Let's say, okay, what about a comedian? He's on, but he's on. well, 
most of the ones that we love because they're always on. And I, all I can say to this is I fucking hope that's me. Look, I'm always learning. I like to talk. I always, I, I hope I also like to listen. I do. I hope if, when, when I don't like to, I try to remind myself when I have a guest. It's not that I don't like to listen. That's why I say get the piece of paper because mm-hmm. on the podcast, it could be confused as you don't like to listen because you're just trying to remember. But I hope I'm both. And um, I, all I can do is hope that what I'm about to explain, what I like about other people, I hope that that's me. I'm not, I can't say it's me because that's for other people to decide. But I tend to like these guys that are always on all the, uh, that are on a lot and they're funny, but there is no problem at the drop of a dime. Is that the expression? Uh, not in the UK. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Drop or whatever. Having a serious conversation. Yeah. And I can do that with Eddie and I can do that with Andy. I can do that with most of my really close comedian friends. Really uh, getting to have a heart to heart with them about it, anything at all. And I think if an onlooker, like let's say you have a cousin that's in from out of town and an isolated moment catches us could look like, oh, geez, everybody take it down a notch. But when we're always on, here's the way I look at it. Not because we're comedians and we think we always have to be on. That could be someone's confusion. I look at it like a bunch of eighth graders that are out or when you're 16 maybe and you get your license and you can, you can go to the mall. And you ever see them? There's this frenetic energy that you don't. You wouldn't look at a bunch of 17-year-old kids at the mall just being silly and doing bits and go, oh, they have to be on. Because they're not comedians and you don't look at it that way. Okay. To me, so so it's the, not that we're always on. It's that like, you know, you're like, you're like, you're out with your friends and you're, you're giddy and there's all this fucking, my blood, when I see other comedians, like, I fucking go crazy inside. I'm like, I get bit happy. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, we're going to be able to do bits. And we're, but we're also, remember what I said, tie that in with, they're not going to hit me on my pressure points that I'm insecure about. They're going to nurture me, mixing, mixing always on with a lot of love. And, 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 uh, so yeah, that, that's what I like. So, you know, like when somebody said, you don't turn into that, you probably never would because, you know, first of all, you're funny and, uh, you like to, you know, you're, you're good around other people and you, you can also obviously be serious. So I just think it's like the whole package that yeah. people that usually go, oh, they're always on. It's usually because they're always on and they're not funny. <laughs> That's a great answer. Thank right. you. And I know someone with the naysayer could go, so, like I said before. So you're saying if you're 100 percent of the time and you're all no, it's not going to be 100 yeah. percent of the yeah, time. Yeah. But if you're always on 70 percent of the time, that Just, seems like all the time. If you're not funny, something I've noticed you've done a couple of times during this conversation is you've preempted a naysayer and said someone could attack this and do I this. Know. You you do that quite a lot, and I wonder is that because people often are naysayers to you. People often attack you for things that you've said, either socially or online or whatever. Or, or is it just something... Where does that, where does that come from? Well, is, that, is that perceived attack or is that real? I think it's real. It's real. And no, it's, I, don't, I, don't mean, I don't mean is it real behaviour for you. I mean, is the threat of people disagreeing yeah. with you? It is real. Yeah, it, I think I get it a little bit from an old talk show host, uh, Phil Donahue, who I don't know, you guys probably don't know who he is, but he, he, he has not had a show in a long time. But he would do that. And I think when you do it well, if you can guess what a naysayer would say. Now, sometimes I do it through an email or a tweet, and I'm there, it's, it's, it's guessing what someone would say mm. legitimately. Sometimes I guess what they would say. And I think when it's done well, you can sometimes corner people in. Like, I know you might say this. And then answer that, too. In case you're thinking this, don't go too far with that, because I'll fucking slap that out of your head in a second, too. And if you're thinking this, I'll slap that out of your head. So, you know, uh, again, I hope if, if I'm socially right or politically right, and I do that, I hope when someone's listening to me, some kid 30 years from now 
I hope he's going, oh, man, this guy. And by the way, I don't think I'm socially decent because some kid's going to listen to me in 30 years. But may- maybe that keeps me on the good track that, like, I would like my body of work not to have some kid listen to 30 years from now and go, oh. Yeah. Did you get what you wanted from comedy? Are you getting what you wanted from comedy when you first came into it? Let me tell you something. Like, every fucking thing I could imagine. Like, you know, I get why people preface sometimes, and I'm a big prefacer, especially in a case like this. Because if you don't, and it seems like, ugh, you have to go, I get it. It sounds maybe a little too much. And that's everybody's paranoia. Like when we, it's, even when we have sentiment to say, yeah. you know, we. If, I have to say, I, people often after I press stop on the recorder of this podcast, people often go, "Oh God, did I sound like an absolute wanker?" And I always say that anyone with any class always says that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You, you, you worry about it, and you know what? I'm glad you even said that because sometimes when I start these interviews, I go, "Why do you like to talk about this so much?" What, what, and and because uh, you do, you've talked about some of these things I've never talked about that we've talked about on your show because you've asked me some questions. I was like, oh, I never really brought that up. Some of the things I have. So I have to say to myself, why? And this helps me now, even when I won't get podcast hangover, maybe if I say this. Well, why? Why do you want to talk about this? Well, because I think hopefully it'll make a difference. It'll make a change. So, of course, I've talked about this a lot. Uh, everyone wonders that when you talk about something. Some people have heard me go, yeah, he's talked about that 15 mm. times. Why? Mm. Well, I could answer you because I want it to change. You know, it's like if you said to a little kid, say thank you when, when someone gives you something and he didn't. And you go, say thank you. And, and, then, and then two weeks later, someone, and the, if the kid turned to his parents and goes, why do you keep telling me to say thank you? Well, I'm going to yeah. keep saying it until you do it. Now, if you start saying thank you and then I keep repeating it, then I have a problem. Sure. So I just repeat things and I like talking about them. And the answer to your question, because I, I digressed, is do I like comedy? And the reason I digress is because I'm afraid that, you know, a maudlin type things were going to come out of my mouth. So now that I said that, everything. Comedy, I fucking love comedy. I, I love comedians. And there's a reason. Like, they feed you everything you need. Like I said, I like crass. Some people misunderstanding me throughout the day. It goes, no, I love crass. I love vulgarity. I love, but I also like people that are sweet and kind and gentle. And comedians give me that, you know. And, you know, you saw when we were over at the Montreal Comedy Festival. Like, that's crazy fun. That's like, I, it's just ridiculous. And I am aware of it. Like, you know, I'm, this is fucking awesome. This is just, this is crazy that I get to do this, you know? So it gave me everything I wanted. And, and again, like I was a kid not doing too well. I didn't graduate high school. I didn't know what I was going to do. Hey, for some other young person, that might be baseball or that might be music. But for me, it was stand-up comedy. And it gave me everything that I wanted. And it's crazy, you know? It's just amazing. I, I, I fucking love it. And are there any times then when you feel negative about it that is that always that's brilliant to hear that's really it's great you know you're an incredibly warm person and it makes me happy i'm sure it'll make anyone listening to this happy to know that you're happy and that you feel like you know it's that it's that thing we forget all the time to just kind of honor it and go oh god i'm so lucky i'm so lucky are there times when that slips and you go oh for christ's sake what am i doing or are are you always on that level do you always maintain that level I get, like, you know, I've been doing comedy 33 years. And when, when, when I'm very careful when I say what make it means. You know what I mean? I, I haven't made it yet. What I mean is a little more financial stability. But, you know, it's given me a lot. I'm not going to say I don't, 
you know, like I say, like I always say, I don't have to be a household name. Like maybe like if you go to like a Will Farrell or somebody who, you know, everybody knows I'm, I never can think of names when I'm trying to think of, uh, but I would like a little more than I have now. And sometimes I get a little frustrated, but I will tell you overwhelmingly, no, because I, I, I know there's a reason why that, you know, I'm where I'm at in my career now and it all has to do with me. So if you just are able to do that very quickly and, you know, uh, you can take responsibility. I don't like going out for auditions. I hate it. I don't go out for auditions anymore. My manager doesn't make me go out for auditions because I'm just bad at it. And, um, you know, so that hurt me. It certainly helps when you can, you know, show up in a movie or show, but I don't do well. So, uh, so the, so when I do get frustrated or think it, you know, a little bit like, come on, I'm ready. I just want that. Um, I just think like good things have happened out of it too, because my stand up has gotten a lot better. If, if 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I wanted to, you know, have a show every week on television mm-hmm. and my stand up would have not become what it is today if that would have happened. So uh, the good part of that is that you, my stand-up continued to develop. So I catch myself very quickly. So um, I get, of course, I get jealous, and I have this. I, I always like to say this: I get jealous of other people sometimes. But I think that's a normal emotion, jealousy. It's just what you do with it. So what I try to do is turn jealousy into motivation, as opposed to bitterness. So I would say the majority of the time, I'm I'm pretty even tempered and appreciative like i said a minute ago of of uh, of stand up comedy i don't get mad at it um i don't i never get mad at stand up comedy the acting or the the other you know the process to get a to to come into people's living rooms with that type of a show and then along along comes podcasting and that really you know helped me cuz now you can do that and and that's just i have I have two more questions. I, I, I'm fascinated with the idea of how podcasting changes people's careers. It's all I've talked to about anyone and the, the last few things I've done. So, I've, And we've, we've talked about your show a little bit. I, I won't go too much further into that for the moment, but I do think... Oh, fuck it. Let's talk about it for a second. Um, I was talking to uh, Dave Anthony this morning about and Jimmy yesterday about the different strata of comedians i don't know if strata is the right word but the different groups of comedians there are a group of uh there's your household names your arena fillers movie stars then there's arena fillers household names then there's uh people with their own tv show who are doing fine and within all of the different tv show stratas then there's kind of the podcasting group Mm -hmm. who probably are touring and headlining more than they otherwise would be because of the podcast you know what's funny i I I just talked about this last night, and I think it's all the more uh, says a lot about podcasting because there's no doubt that group you're just talking about, like traditional television didn't offer a, a, a vehicle for them, so podcasting became their vehicle. Hey, I'll, I'll do it through podcasting. Uh, and that that's a big, big group of people, including me. But it does. You get guys like The, the Daily Show. They do a podcast. Yep, and they're already and there's like I, of course I won't be able to think of ten right now, but there are that they're already pretty big. Alec Baldwin did a podcast. Now you might think, well, you're right. It's the mostly it's look. I haven't traditionally been you know been given a TV show, so this is another vehicle. But I think it also works for people you know that um, that have had crazy success and thought, but this is still exciting to be maybe even more as it gets popular because it's still nothing's as pure. 
Yes. Nothing is as pure. So I think it does overwhelmingly house, you know, like what you were saying. But then it also, I think it can house uh, people that have had traditional success. That's, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. And um, to wrap up, I have two final questions. One, uh, these are both things I enjoy asking people. Um, if you had to review yourself, a stand-up gig now, we're talking stand-up. If you had to review yourself, if you were the critic watching a Todd Glass show, what would you, knowing as much about you as you do, what would you say? What would an honest review of Todd Glass be? Oh, maybe I shouldn't answer this. Go for it. Well, no. If you regret I, it, I'll take it out. But what do you think? No, like what would you mean? Like what? You know that way if someone reviews your show yeah, 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 and I'm you just... something in the back of your mind is like, oh, I hope they didn't spot the secret stuff I'm not good at that I hope no one spots. What's that stuff? Oh, well, I mean, look, I don't mind organized chaos, but there's been a few nights where it's been a little on. Un- I, I want it to be. I want it to be who I am. You can be who you are and still, you know. Eh. And there were, there were a few nights when I smoked over the years or drank a little too much and it was a too sloppy of a show. Overwhelmingly not. I'm proud that I would say 95% of the time in my career. Uh, and by the way, I, I'm not talking about guys that I know guys that go up and drink a lot on stage that they still can do their show. So sure, sure. So no, I'm not, I'm but, not, but, but let's, for me, it's, let's imagine it's a belting show. Imagine it's your best show and it's a critic who is just immune to what it is you do. So I'm not saying what, how many of your shows are good and how many aren't. I'm saying, what things do you fear that even when you're at your best, what is it that you, you can't do as a comic? What is it you see other comics do and you go, I wish I, was a, I wish I could do that as well. I wish I could add that to my arsenal. Oh, God, this is one of those things you're afraid if you answer that it'll look. I think... Oh, well, you're afraid that you're going to go, there's nothing. Exactly. I'm perfect. <laughs> no, 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 not perfect. But you're 100% but yourself. I, the, I, after 33 years of doing stand-up comedy... Like, yeah, but you know, when I got off stage in, in Pittsburgh, somebody said something to me and it really made me look, look, I still have, I, look, I have one bad joke. I, I start thinking about quitting comedy, you know, literally. <laughs> so I believe me, I, I always have this expression. I have my, you don't judge anybody by a comment. You should judge them by, you know, like, but if somebody was listening work. to this whole yeah. podcast, okay, I wouldn't mind them to judge me. If they judge me on what I'm about to say, then, you know, in one isolated moment, oh, my God, you could look like a monster. So I always go, look, I have enough moments of insecurity in my life. Trust me, follow me for a week, and you'll see. By no means am I a guy that looks in the mirror all the time and loves what he sees. But it's okay to have moments of security. And I think I that's the good thing, even though I want a lot more. I'm at the point in my act where I go, you know, I just do it. If I want to be silly, I'm silly. If I want to be make a point, I make a point. If I want to, you know, so I don't think there's anything that I want to do that I don't do. Final question. Thank you. It was a great answer. Final question, and you can interpret this however you like. What would you have written on your comedy gravestone? Oh, if I had a tombstone? Your, com- uh, your comedy gravestone. So, you know, what's your final message to comedy in the form of what's written on your tombstone? Wow. Um, Brian Regan. <laughs> <laughs> People always say I love Brian Regan so much. They're always like, talk less, Brian Regan, Brian Regan. That's all I fucking talk about is Brian Regan. So maybe on my tombstone it just says Brian Regan. Thanks, man. Thank you. Sorry for all the rambling in the middle there. Um, what a great episode. What a great... <laughs> That's the wrong way around to say it, isn't it? Aren't I good? No. What a terrific conversation. Todd's such a lovely guy. Please do check out his stuff. Uh, we'll be getting back to you very soon with more 
uh, more recordings from the LA Podcast Festival, from uh, Jimmy Pardo still to come. Jimmy Pardo, lovely guy as well. Totally different to Todd. And well done, by the way, if you're um, if you're a new listener, welcome. If you're listening in the States, it's happy to have you on board. Um, if you're a listener in the UK, I know not everyone downloads episodes with people when they haven't heard of them. And I know that people like Todd and Jackie and Jimmy's uh, profiles aren't as high in the UK as they are in the States. So if you're one of the people in the UK who's, who's bothered to download this on the basis that you know Stu isn't going to palm you off with any old jerk, I'm only going to get the best of the brightest people onto the show for you, people who I think are fabulous and who really have something worth saying, worth listening to. So well done you for getting this far to the end of part two of, with someone you might not have heard of before if you're in the UK. Um, thank you very much. Thanks for uh, this. this I, I hope you feel suitably rewarded with the, uh, the content. I'm sure you do. Thanks to Todd. Thank you very much to Nathan. Sorry for hurling abuse at you. Um, and thank you to the people that logged these episodes, of course. How could I forget? Um, Austin Yule uh, is uh, one of my logging legends. There's a bunch of other ones whose names I am not going to be able to get to fast enough. Um, ben, it was Ben Smith. Thanks, Ben Smith. Um, um, Jeff Norwood Brown, I think, uh, gave me... Uh, the offer of a log. Loads of you, Martin Brennan offered to do some logging. John Turner, uh, Jeff, as I mentioned, uh, Eleanor Taylor, Ryan Coles. Uh, Ryan did a great one for me as well. And Emily Crosby. Thank you, Emily. That was I knew there was someone at the tip of my tongue. I mean, there's a chance that this bit has been the least interesting thing in podcast history as I desperately try to remember people's names and clearly check my email in the background. But thank you to all those guys. They're much appreciated. And um, thanks to you for listening. Feel free to rate it. I tell you what, if you're going to rate the show today, I'll allow you to give me a four-star rating because I have absolutely rambled. You don't have to do that. Uh, you could just fake it till you make it and bump it up to five. But uh, get on the iTunes, give us a five-star rating, share the show with a friend, send me some money, press some cash into my hand. Are you aware of that? I've not mentioned that for a while. I was enjoying when that happened. Uh, if you don't like to donate in an electronic way via comedianscomedian.com, you can just come up, press some folded notes into my hand and say something cool. A lot of people now choose to say the words something cool. That's fine, but I prefer it when you're a bit more inventive and say something like, I mean, my favourite one ever was half now, half when he's dead. So uh, let's do a bit more of that. Thanks to Todd. Thanks to you. Goodbye for now.